This is the Power of Genetics podcast, the podcast designed to help visionary practitioners build a more successful practice, transform more lives, and lead their patients into the future of personalized health. In each episode, I'll interview successful practitioners and leading thought leaders who will share their insights and expertise to help you prepare your practice for what lies ahead. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe, and now let's get into today's episode. So welcome everyone to the Power of Genetics. My wonderful guest is a friend and a colleague, Dr. Liz Lipsky, you may have come across in multiple ways. Welcome, Liz. Thanks for having me, Yael. It's so much fun to be with you. So Liz and I have this habit of like attending the same conferences and then we find ourselves sitting in the same row and we go, oh, hi, great to see you, Liz. Like we're back in the same place. And I've been watching your career for so many years. And as I mentioned earlier to you before we started that I just, you're like everywhere, you're everywhere. And that is a great great compliment, by the way, that's like non-negative thing. What's so unique about talking to you from some of the other guests is most of the guests I've spoken to have been MDs. They've been medical doctors or naturopathic physicians. And you're something quite special. And so I really want to talk about how we go from being in this amazing field of nutrition to having such a great impact on how we practice nutrition, teach nutrition, think about nutrition. And I want to state for the record that you're not an RD, an RDN, which I think is so important because there's this, remember that I'm coming from the outside world and I come in and I see this state of play where everyone thinks that if you're not a registered dietitian, like you're never going to have the impact in nutrition that they want. And they make these decisions around their career. So would you mind if we started that as a starting because I really want for everyone out there who thinks that the only way to change the world of nutrition is, and I'm not knocking being an RD, I am one, but I just want you to share that like your story about how you got to where you are. So there's so many pieces of that that I want to address. So the first piece is not my story, but the first piece is that at this point in my life, my mission is really that. It's like, how do we put nutrition, whether somebody's a registered dietitian or whether somebody is a certified nutrition specialist, a CNS, or whether somebody just loves nutrition, they're a nutrition coach or a nutrition educator, or, you know, how do we put nutrition into the center of medicine? Because now it's like, oh, you have diabetes. So now we're going to send you to see a nutritionist or dietitian. And it's like, no, no, no. Medicine is backwards. It's backwards. So what happens is that in my view of the world, we're going to have more of a dental model in the future of medicine. And what it's going to look like is I go see my dental hygienist and my hygienist looks at my teeth, cleans them and says, good job, right? If there's a problem, she calls in the dentist. And There are times when we really need to see a medical doctor or a PA or nurse practitioner. Um, We really need medical help, but so much of what we have is chronic health issues. 
And there's no model that says that the coach or the nutritionist or dietitian or whoever nurse sits you down and says, let me see your sleep log. Let me see your exercise log. Tell me about your life. What gives you joy and pleasure? How do you move? Show me your food diary. Like, let's really look at all this and let's look at the stressors in your life and let's see what we can do to empower you to make changes. And we know that 80% of what goes on with overall health is diet and lifestyle, right? And for 80% of people, we may not really need to do all the genomic testing because we can sort it out by what we see in a personal history, in a family history, in their lifestyle. So for me, this is a mission of mine. It's like, how do we put you or me in every single clinic around the world so that we change the culture of the way that medicine's practiced. So I'm an inclusive kind of person. I wanna see everybody who can do this work, be able to do this work and to influence people. So then back to my own story. So when I was in college, I started being very interested in herbal medicine and I did some independent studies on herbal medicine and was a self-taught herbalist. And then I got out of college. And then one day I was teaching a course in herbs and that light bulb kind of went on and said, I love herbs, but they're not foundational. People need to have lifestyle. So I looked all over for a school and there weren't any, we're talking uh, late 1970s. And I looked for a school and there weren't any. And I found Donsbach University. They sent me a pile of books and said, read these books, take these tests and write a master's thesis. And I'm like, that is not a master's degree. So I started taking all the pre-med and nursing courses that I could. And I interned with a naturopath and an MD 20 hours a week for a couple of years. So I built my own degree. And then I heard about a board certification in clinical nutrition, the CCN. And I called the executive director and she's like, well, you know, if you can get down to Texas to take this exam in two weeks and you can pass it because you don't have the right degree. And, but we have a grandfather period. So I did that. And passed. Uh, yeah, and I passed. And yeah. although I love this piece of it, because I sat down and I didn't know the answer to the first question. I didn't know the answer to the second question. I didn't know the answer to the third question. And I just started laughing. And then I relaxed and just kind of passed it. Writing. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's like my road has been one of my doctoral students asked me a couple of weeks ago, like, how did you get where you got? How do people model it after you? And I'm like, you don't have to model it after me because I had to create my own road. And now we've got really good schools that teach integrative and functional nutrition, at least here in the States, we've got, um, you know, like seven or eight now. And every year there's another school and you know, you don't have to created on your own because we've got teams of really great nutritionists and dietitians who are putting these programs together so that they're coherent and cohesive so that you can then really learn how to do it. And so 
I was in clinical practice for about 35 years. I had my own practice. I worked in a big conventional medical clinic for a while. I've worked in integrative offices. I've worked in gyms. I've done corporate wellness. I've just been curious. And you told me before we started, like some of your listeners, they're just getting started and they love this field. And I was like that. I was just this sponge. And I think it's the learning from others. It's the such important go to conferences, meet people, network. All of that is so important. I never set out to be a leader in the field, but if you keep putting one foot before the other and you're curious and you keep doing the same thing for decades, you get really good at it. Well, you know, we could stop right here. I mean, that was so beautiful. And I mean, I couldn't agree more. We could actually stop. I I just, there's so much that came to mind. I mean, I completely agree. And there's so much in your journey that I can think about in mind. So I had to also create my own degree. There was no PhD in nutrigenomics. There was no supervisors. There was no department. So I built it by putting a whole bunch of supervisors who had expertise in their field and then getting them to work together and hope for the best. And so, you know, it's like people say, like, how did you get here? And I'm like, I never knew what here was. I literally knew what I didn't want to be. So I knew what made me unhappy and what wasn't okay for me. And I just followed one step up and said, I'm just looking for something better, looking for more answers. And the other thing that I often talk about is, which I'm sure you've had the same experience is so, well, I don't know that you've had the same experience, but For me, what would happen is I would find a learning journey, be totally inspired, passionate, get excited. Finally, I finally found some answers and then I would hit a brick wall. And then I would hit a brick wall and find the same disillusion. I was like, I thought I had the answers. I don't have the answers. And then someone would come into my life or a conference would come into my life or a person or a mentor and would help me move to the next. And it's just been like a series of layers that I've been building over 25 years that have largely been just little steps, little steps. And then suddenly someone or something comes. I don't know if you've had that experience as well. I have, I have. And especially now we're starting to see people in practice who have such complex health issues, right? And so it's like, okay, I've done all the things I know how to do. I've worked with their physician we've both done all the things we know to do and this person isn't getting better. So now what? And so that quest always makes you keep looking for what the next piece is. And I think genomics is one of those pieces. My passion is digestive health. And so the microbiome and how our food and the microbiome and the genome play together, we don't even know that yet very well. And, you know, so there's all this research ahead of us. I look at how do heavy metals impact people, how do mold and environmental contaminants affect people, looking at kind of stealth infections like Lyme and and other kind of co-infections or Epstein-Barr. You know, we have to kind of always be curious and kind of seeking the next thing because when I started 40 years ago, it was pretty easy to get people better and it gets more and more and more difficult. And I think- Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? I think there's a a multi-factor of it. I think 
that so many of us were generations into, like when I was a kid, frozen foods were brand new, right? Then when my kids were growing up, microwaving was brand new. And then all of a sudden the genetically engineered foods came in. We're all surrounded by fertilizers and yeah. And right. And then we're all surrounded by EMFs all the time. I think we have lonely cultures and people are stressed and people are financially stressed. And I just think that the environment is really different. And the kids coming in now who are adults, you know, they were raised with all of that. And I think too, it's like from a nutritional genomics viewpoint, we see kind of a Pottinger cat study effect. Whereas like my mom grew up on real food. She fed me mostly real food, but boy, I was the first generation that started having a lot of processed food. Then our kids get the disadvantage of that genetically, right? Mm. And that's epigenetics in a nutshell, really. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it is our, it's our whole environment. We're bathed in this environment that's really different. And now we're, you know, three or four generations into that experiment where we're starting to see so many children with autism and ADD and so many more autoimmune conditions. Anxiety, autoimmune, yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's like I've got sons who are in their 30s and so many of their friends have anxiety and depression. It's like, oh my, you know, what would happen if we take everybody away from their electronics for a month? You know, what would happen if we nourished everybody? And so you know, I think it's much more complex, but it's an exciting time to be getting into the field. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I I think I agree. And I think in the sense that, especially in nutrition, we're in a much more powerful space than we were. So I think, you know, part of my frustration 25 years ago when I started in dietetics was the disempowerment of it. And part of it was our position of being housewives who have professionalized, basically, you know, we professionalized home economics. And I think so there was like this historical adoption of kind of a narrative, excuse the languaging. But I think the other thing was the content issue of what we were being taught. And, you know, I was never a happy dietitian um, in the beginning and many moments after that. And so, and I think some credit to genetics and nutritional genomics and epigenetics, because what we're starting to understand now is that nutrients are able to change gene expression. And that means that actually nutrition heals in a way that medicine heals. And it does it even better because it what we call modulates instead of activates. It does it in this gentle, warm, bathing way, which is how genes should be switched on and switched off and, and, and adjusting the dimmer switch. So I think I'm more excited about nutrition now because finally, and I think this goes to your point where you started, it's people are starting to realize that the true power of healing cannot happen without nutrition because that's what's changing gene expression as well as all our negative kind of influences which you spoke about. And that's how we're going to change health. And so we talk about like medicine is food. That is the story. It's gene expression. So, you know, people always say like, how did you know that that was going to be what nutrition was going to be? I was like, I didn't. And in fact, for 15 years of my nutrigenomic career, I didn't think about gene expression. I only thought about SNPs. So for even for me, it's been this like amazing epiphany of like nutrition is truly 
truly powerful, you know, and I think we're starting to have a voice and I think we're starting to take our place in conferences and in journal articles and in academic departments. But I'm going to ask you a slightly tough question, but if anyone can answer, it's going to be you. So I've battled and I loved what you said about being inclusive. Because one of the things I've battled with is this concept of that anyone can own nutrition. You know, the, you know, yeah, smiling. Um, and <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, one I'm not, no one can own nutrition. And, you know, I think because I grew up, my career grew up through dietetics, especially in the first decade, there was this idea that someone could own the knowledge of nutrition and have this kind of paternalistic or maternalistic in the case of dietetics idea that we would tell you what to eat and we would have all the answers especially you know so I've always dreamt about this future where there'll be a different idea of who the nutrition professional will be and you're so perfectly positioned to answer that what what would your dream be for what if we could start a beginning and and what would that nutrition profession be Well, the nutrition profession, first of all, nobody can own it, as you said. So it seems like for me, it's like starting to teach kids about good eating in school, which I know my kids had. People have been doing that for a long time. But if the parents aren't modeling that, and so teaching parents about cooking, teaching everybody about the importance of nutrition And then in terms of kind of the field of nutrition, first of all, it's like we've had integrative and functional MDs and clinicians kind of handing people gluten-free diets for a while now. And just like, I don't know differential diagnosis. I don't know if somebody has certain kind of medical condition. They don't really know nutrition the way a good nutritionist knows it. And so I think we still need to have a field of nutrition and dietetics where we have clinicians who really love this. Yet, I think that over time, we're going to see psychologists incorporating more and more nutrition. And we have personal trainers telling people about nutrition. And we have, you know, so, and we have uh, other clinicians teaching people about, well, here's how you should eat, right? And so generally, I think that nutrition should be taught by anybody who's working with somebody on a clinical basis. However, then we have what's really called in the field, right? uh, Medical nutrition therapy, which is you've got somebody who's sick and they really need somebody to coach them through, hold their hand, give them more personalized information than here's a gluten-free diet, just do it. Or here's a low FODMAP diet, just do it. Right. And so for me, it's, I want everybody talking about nutrition. I was sitting at a sushi bar about six months ago, no, a couple years ago. Um, Boy, the time goes. And the two women sitting right next to my husband and I, they were talking about their elimination diets that they'd been doing. Right. So this isn't, my son asked me, he said, do you think I should be on a ketogenic diet, mom? So this is not, you know, only professionals have it. Everybody has it. And, but then people need help implementing it and figuring out how to personalize it. And do they have poor methylation? Do they have 
poor detoxification genes, right? Um, how do we use food and herbs and yoga and exercise to modulate, turn on and off expression of those genes, right? And so we need people who can kind of take these really deep dives into how do we really personalize it? Because that's the future is everybody getting, you know, something very specific to themselves. And so, you know, I want everybody to be spouting this stuff and they are, but then we also see people who've been on, for example, a ketogenic diet for three years. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, maybe it's time to start reintroducing some foods. That the damage to your gut, gut. <laughs> the damage to your gut is probably fixed by now, but now your microbiome is just kind of really mm -hmm. odd. And who knows what you've done to your genome, right? Yeah. And so, or I've been on the low FODMAP diet now for a year. Okay, well, now we need to start seeing what you can reintroduce. It's, it was never meant to be used that way. And so there's a place for everybody knowing it. And then there's a place for people who can really help people fine tune yeah. it. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. And I'm, you know, I think I interviewed Terry Wells and I loved what you said. She said, you know, you can't think about kind of primary care and functional and integrative as being different or on opposite sides or at war with each other. We are never going to heal the country and the community if we don't work together. And I think that's kind of the same thing you're saying, you know, where it's not us and them. It's not us and them. And that's why I embrace health coaches. I think they need to be brought into the fold. We need to acknowledge the extraordinary work they do, the different training they have, that hand-holding, the behavioral change. And that's what I, from my point, I'd love to see, you know, have those that are trained in the medical nutrition therapy, deep dive biochemistry labs, but then really bring into the fold those who are going to do the hand-holding, the behavioral change, the psychology so that's kind of, you know, and, and, and again, kind of democratization of nutrition, you know, we don't own it. No one owns it. And, you know, that's when you land up being us and them. So I would love to see a future where we can break down some of those barriers and have us all working together. And, you know, I was going to ask you what your sense is about the future of genetics, but you've actually spoken so beautifully to it, which is, you know, do you, maybe we should just close out with one more comment. Yeah, I, I'm sure you've seen the movie Gattaca, right? Where, where babies are, their genomes tested at birth. And I do think that that's not too far off. Well, not that... in China. <laughs> this is in China. Really? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. There's entire cities in China, entire cities where you have no choice at birth. You're being, geno you have your whole genome done. Yeah. Because they don't but, have a choice. You know, There's but, no such thing I... as informed consent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I think about the brilliance of like, what can we do? Like if we knew, I mean, 50% of us have methylation defects, right? So if you knew which 50%, you could start when somebody's a baby, when they're just a tiny infant, although you could probably guess from their parents, you know, as well. But sometimes, still there's, sometimes not. Not yeah, but there's yeah. so much that yeah. we can't. And I think also, I think that as we know that the way that pharmacy is done is going to completely change. Nobody's going to be given a drug unless we know what their liver pathways are and how they're up, how they can utilize those drugs. 
So I think that we're going to really start seeing the future of medicine change dramatically as we start really incorporating gene testing and to try to look at the SNPs and go, okay, like this person's going to really, you know, if they can, you know, eat more NO producing foods, you know, and upregulate nitric oxide, we might be able to keep their vascular health and their brain health and even gut health to an extent healthier lifelong if they embrace that. And so there'll probably be a pendulum where we get like really crazy about it, but then it'll just kind of normalize and it'll just be the way we do things. I, I totally agree. And I think that's the transition we're going through now. I think there's an inevitability to it. It's, it's data about ourselves that help us make better decisions. And I think we're on a journey of understanding good, bad, and the ugly and making sure that, you know, we do it responsibly and ethically. It's a bit like Chris, you know, but I think there's an inevitability that ultimately we're going to be making. And remember, genetics is not diagnostic. It's not absolute. It doesn't give you answers. It's just information, understanding a little bit more than we did without it. I think we'll we'll be around to see that. I think that it's not far off where genetics isn't the exception and just becomes part of, like we used to have with lipid testing or glucose or insulin, will just become part of how we understand, how we understand each other. Liz, yeah. it's been absolutely wonderful having you join. We could talk forever. We have been talking for some time now. And I truly look forward to the time when I will see you in person. And we can we can have a proper, proper catch up. But thank you so much for joining and all the best with your course, your online course, the work in digestive, well, unbelievable work there, your mentoring groups. And I'm sure we'll be seeing lots more coming from you. Thanks for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash podcast. And if you are a licensed health practitioner who would like to apply to join our network of over 1,000 like-minded visionary practitioners, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash apply.